Now, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks at least talking about the subject of worship. And we're going to begin our journey in John chapter 4. So if you would please stand with me for the reading of the word. I want to get right into this. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. I'll tell some of this story, but I want to read these two verses in particular. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. This is Jesus speaking here. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. I'll give you the title of today's message in just a bit. You'll see why. But first, I want to say a prayer, and we'll get going. Father, thank you so much for these wonderful people. I pray that you would anoint me to speak what you've laid on my heart, God to minister, to challenge someone, to uplift them and exhort them, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask. And everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In our reading, Jesus had told his disciples that he had to go through Samaria. He was compelled to go through Samaria. This was something completely out of character for any self-respecting Jew. Jews simply did not go through or to Samaria. As a matter of fact, they literally went out of their way to bypass Samaria by way of the Transjordan Valley. You see, after the reign of Solomon, the the kingdom of Israel was divided. There was the northern kingdom with ten of the twelve tribes, which retained the name Israel, and the southern kingdom with two of the twelve tribes, which became known by its dominant tribe, Judah. Both Israel and Judah eventually were overcome by their enemies, taken into captivity. They suffered great loss and devastation on both sides. However, Judah, it could be argued, kept the faith, maintained their identity and distinctives, at least to some extent, while Israel started worshiping Baal along with Jehovah, which you just can't do. They intermarried with non-Jews, even sworn enemies of Israel, and they lost their identity and their distinctives. Their descendants became known as Samaritans. The Samaritans were seen by those in Judah as quitters, traitors, compromisers, backsliders. And yet, Jesus said, I needs, King James is the best here, I needs must go through Samaria. And so just outside of a Samaritan town called Sychar, he sat down by a well, Jacob's well, and he sent his disciples into town to fetch some vittles. Y'all know what vittles are? Some fixings, some food, some lunch. He's going to get some fried chicken, you know what I'm saying? And, and, And so while he waited for them to return, a Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. Now, this is the middle of the day. Normally, the water for the day would be drawn in the morning, 
But this woman came when nobody else would be there on purpose. She did not want anybody else to be there. She didn't want to see anybody or talk to anybody because she was the talk of the town, the brunt of jokes. She had a bad reputation. She would be bullied on social media for being, listen, I'm going to get straight up with you, okay? Are you ready for this? She was a messed up woman. I want, I want to drive it. She was messed up. We like to preach, talk about characters in the Bible and say, well, they were messed up. And we're like, yeah, she was messed up. She had a reputation. I'm going to tell you something. She had a bad reputation. She was called bad names. She was bullied. She was considered to be trash, a tramp, a slut. Her social credit report, you know they have those now, had a very low score. And to think this was in a land of losers, and even they thought she was a loser. Here's the facts. She had five failed marriages, and she was currently shacked up with a new guy. This woman knew how to get a man. She just didn't know how to keep a man. She was always out of the frying pan and into the fire. And she didn't tell any of this to Jesus. Rather, in the way that he does things, in, in somehow in a kind and respectful demeanor, Jesus just called her out on it. He read her mail. He opened up the secrets of her heart. And she just kind of was amazed at this, a little freaked out, but not put off. I love that about Jesus. He knows how to identify right where you are, and somehow you understand he's still compassionate and merciful. As a matter of fact, she got religious. Well, you know, praise the Lord, brother, you know. As he began to talk to her, I love the fact that she's got her own two cents on all things religious. As busy as this woman had been, just living a bad life, living the thug life, she had an opinion on all things religious, and she decided to give it to Jesus. But not only did Jesus reveal the secrets of her heart, he began to reveal the secrets of his father's heart to her of all people. He gave her all access, full disclosure. He dropped some top secret heavenly truth bombs on this little messed up Samaritan woman. He said to this broken woman from a land of broken people, the father is seeking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the implication is this. Maybe, woman, maybe that is you. Honey, it could be you that fulfills his desire for worship. I just want to point something out from the beginning right here from this little story. No matter what your past may be, no matter the people that you come from, what their past is, regardless of your pain, your wounds, your broken places, in spite of your inability to maintain relationships, in spite of the bridges that you may have burned, the people you may have hurt, the, the, the wake of destruction that you've left behind, the damage that's been done, you, even you, are the one that Jesus is looking for today, and he's challenging you. Will you worship me in spirit and in truth? 
I'm telling you, he's not looking for perfect people. There are no perfect people. He's looking for spirit and truth people who will just open up their heart and worship him. Amen? Now let me point something out that Jesus was not saying. He wasn't saying when your ancestors abandoned the faith and intermarried with the sworn enemies of my father, that was okay. Honey, that's okay. He wasn't saying when your ancestors worshiped the golden calves and burned their children alive. Honey, that was all right. He wasn't saying when you walked out on your husband, that was okay. He wasn't saying when you moved in with this Yahoo that you're with now, no big deal, that was okay. He wasn't condoning her life. But neither was he saying that any of this could keep her from being a worshiper of the Father if she chose to worship. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying today. Jesus is not afraid of your past. Jesus is not afraid of your family's past. It doesn't matter how dysfunctional, janky, jacked up, messed up you or your family may be. None of that can keep you from worshiping Jesus if you make the decision, I'm going to worship Jesus. As a matter of fact, if words mean anything, Jesus was saying the Father was seeking for people even like her. A Samaritan with a past, with a string of failed relationships, with a messed up religious pedigree, with a low social credit score. He was looking for someone, anyone who was alive to worship him. David said in Psalm 150 and verse 6, he said, let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. He doesn't say let everything that's perfect, let everybody who's never sinned praise the Lord. He said let everything that has breath. My question is, are you alive? Do you have breath? Do you have breath in your lungs? Then you are a candidate to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to tell you something right now. Jesus knew and he knows today if you'll start worshiping God right where you are, it will change the trajectory of your life and give you an opportunity to break free into a new hope and a new future because you're looking at Jesus now and he's got plans for you, I promise you, that are better than the places you've come from in Jesus' name. Can you give him some praise right now? Come on now. Now I want to dig a little deeper into our Bible study. The Samaritans had sliced and diced their Bibles. They had cut out the Psalms. They had cut out the prophets. Because these passages spoke of David and the city of Jerusalem where the temple was and the Ark of the Covenant was. And by cutting out these Psalms and the writings of Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, prophets, they had essentially cut out the parts of the Bible that dealt with worship. Think about it. The the how-to of worship. What's it look like? They had no worship in their Bible. Not much. Not the mechanics of it. It's not that it was not in the Bible. They had just cut it out. The Samaritans, as a, as a consequence, had 
forgotten how to worship the one true and living God. The woman at the well admitted as such. She was just saying, I'm ignorant. But it wasn't just her that was ignorant. This woman, it was a generational ignorance. Her people. And Jesus told this little woman, the Father seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Biblically based from the heart. Worship. He went on to say it's not so much about a place. It's about the person, spirit, and truth from the heart. Worshippers, biblically based. You, he was saying, little lady, can be a true worshiper. You've never been true to anything in your life, honey. You've not been true in your marriages, with your spouses, with your friends. But you can be a true worshiper if you want to be. Your past doesn't have to dictate your future. And she got a revelation, and she went and told the whole city, you need to come and see this man. She became an evangelist. No doubt, she didn't just say, come see the man that told me about everything I've ever done. She told them the words about true worship. The Father, the Spirit of the living God is looking for those not who worship in this mountain or that mountain or in this place or that place, but who worship in spirit and in truth. Having cut out the Psalms and prophets, the Samaritans had cut out some key elements of worship from their Bible. The Psalms in particular had become an instruction manual on worship and still are today. They had cut out the biblical concepts of worship from their Bible. Things such as clapping your hands. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shouting unto God. Dancing before the Lord. Bowing before the Lord. Singing to the Lord. Playing instruments unto the Lord. Doing this thing called halaling before the Lord. It just kind of means you go crazy before the Lord and do a combination of these other things. These things were just not in their worship services. And they they felt justified because of this, by this, with this. They were fine with it. They really had other issues. They hated their brothers. They had other gods in their lives. They were rebellious and carnal. And even though they were... Fine with this, the father was not. You hear what I'm saying? The father went to Samaria, a place that had cut out exuberant worship from its Bible, looking for worship. Oh, we don't do that. That's not in our tradition. That's not in our creed. That's not the way we do it anymore. You see, a long time ago, we made some decisions. We took a knife. And we cut that out and we said, that's for another day, another time, another people, another place. But that's not for us. But the father went to them and said, I'm looking for some worship. Where is it? I'm going to tell you, much of the church has gotten rid of exuberant worship. But I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter the justification they use. The father is still looking for some worshipers today. He's looking for worship. Let me give you a. Working definition of worship. There's many we could take. Let's just take a hold of this one. Worship is the obvious expression 
of a thankful heart towards God. The obvious expression of a thankful heart towards God. You know, that Publishers Clearinghouse, you ever registered for that? See, back in the day, you had to fill it out and mail it in, Jonathan. You had to mail it in, snail mail. Children, we put stamps on envelopes and stuff and put it in this blue box thing. And, and this little guy would come. Do you know the guy that delivers your Amazon Prime packages? He would take that little letter with this little sticky stamp on it to places. And, and you would register for the publisher's clearinghouse. And the way they, they entice you into to the publisher's clearinghouse, first of all, is this exorbitant amount of money. Like, you're going to get a, you know, $10,000 a week for the rest of your life. Ah, you know, like, just awesome. And, and they would show videos of the people. They would go straight up to their door. And they'd knock on the door, cameras rolling. They'd open the door and they're like, you're a winner. You know what those people did? They, they had obvious expressions of exuberance, thankfulness in their hearts. Wah! You know, like they, they could have been having the worst day of all time. But when that door opened, whoo, they saw those lights probably all staged. But you know what I'm saying. Obvious, an obvious expression of thankfulness toward God. Now, before I move on, let me emphatically state something right here at the beginning. I am not trying to shame anybody here today. I am not condemning anybody. No judgment here. I know what it's like to struggle with worshiping God in an open way, in an exuberant way. We rejoice over baby steps. Uh, We've got some in our congregation that are totally freaked out by worship like exuberant worship. I didn't start out jumping all over a stage, jumping all over a floor, dancing and all this kind of stuff. There were times that I I would have been mortified to have been caught doing anything like that in church. There were times when, for me, a big step was, was to do this. Or this. You know, there's different ways. You know, and I remember experimenting, and and especially with peer pressure as a kid, you know, like my cousin Randy over here, you know, like, what's Randy going to think? Get that emoji on your face. Trying to, experimenting with it, bowing the knee. I could bow my knee and hide my face. That was, that was not too bad, especially if I hid my face. That way, you know. I was alone, you know, like in my own mind. No one was around. Raising my hands, clapping my hands. I'm a musician. You know, I just clap on beat, maybe get a fancy clap, Nick, you know, make people think, oh, he's got rhythm, you know. Clapping my hands. Hello? I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm not trying to humiliate anybody. I'm really not. What I am trying to do, and I feel compelled. You hear what I'm saying. I feel compelled to do this. I have no other way of saying it. In the Holy Ghost. To challenge you. To provoke you. To cause you to think and then act. So you can be liberated and freed up 
to worship the Lord without shame, without embarrassment, to step out there. I mean, even with embarrassment, you just push on through and worship anyway. I'm telling you, you have a choice to make. And I call you to account today. You have a choice to make. You can be this guy. Now let me just tell you something. I've had this guy for a couple of weeks in my house. He was completely freaking us out on a regular basis. Uh, of course, I would have fun with it. Like, Val would be asleep. I'd, like, take him out of the closet and go put him over by the bed. You know what I mean? And she'd wake up. Ah! But I would walk into the closet sometimes. You know, I'm minding my own business. Oh, I knew he was there. I bought him. I dressed him. You know, I put him together. Valerie's like, when we put the box out by the curb that said mannequin on it, she's like, what are the neighbors thinking now, you know? <laughs> but he's been, and, and, and even this morning, I was up very, very early, and I set him out by the door so I wouldn't forget him. And, and I was out smoking some meat. And, and while I was cooking, I'd walk back in, and out of the corner of my eye, I see a guy at my front door. And I'm like, oh, oh, it's, it's, it's the mannequin. It's the mannequin. I got it. But you have a choice to make. You can be that guy. Or you can be this guy. The title of my message is Mannequin or Windman. The choice is up to you. It is yours. Are you with me? I'm going to preach to you for a few minutes. Just a few minutes. You with me? I'm going to preach to you. Mannequin or windman. I'm going to help somebody today. This mannequin right here, he is dignified. I need to get windman over here closer to me. I feel like mannequin's too close to me. He always creepy. A mannequin, this mannequin is dignified. He's looking sharp. Look at those clothes, man. They look familiar. He, he's looking good, man. He's, he's got his act together. He's sharp. He's so cool. He's got his flat bill on. I can't imagine. He probably wears it like that sometimes. I don't, I, I don't know what's up with that. He's got it just right. But you see this wind man? He's totally undignified. He's all over the place. It looks to me like he's lost his marbles. He's nuts. He's crazy. But I want you to notice something. He doesn't look too happy. He looks real happy right here, okay? Now, this is from a, a website on Winman that I read. No joke. Listen to this. Depending upon your taste, Winman, they are either full of ridiculous, joyful exuberance or they are the tackiest things in the world. A number of cities across the United States have actually banned the use of Winman. An ordinance in Houston enacted in 2008 proclaimed that dancing a windman contributes to urban visual clutter and blight and adversely affects the aesthetic environment. Worship, listen to me, 
is despised by the religious and the carnal. But I'm going to tell you something. To the Father, it's a beautiful thing. It is what he's looking for. He's looking for worshipers. It's your choice. Are you going to be a mannequin? Or are you going to be a wind man? I'm going to help you if you'll let me. What would motivate wind man to worship like that? Look at him just going nuts. He's probably got a Donovan Hill song going through his brain right now. Oh, I'm, I'm with you right there. When man has an internal motivator, as I was preparing this message, I thought, well, that internal motivator, I could say, well, it's the wind, right? It's the wind. It would be like the Ruah or the Numa, the Holy Spirit. But honestly, I know many people who have been filled with the Holy Spirit speaking with tongues, but you would never know it if you watched them in their worship. Hello. You know what I'm saying. So I would say the internal source is not they do have the Holy Spirit. There are some that have the Holy Spirit that don't worship in an outward way at all. I would tell you this. The internal source is a grateful, honoring heart for God. Gratefulness will push you out of your comfort zone. If the Lord has done great things in your life, then you recognize it. You acknowledge it. You've got a choice to make. Am I going to let that push me and move me to worship in an exuberant fashion? Or I'm going to stand there like this and just contemplate it. Mannequin or wind man, it is your choice. Let the gratefulness and the thankfulness from the heart rise. To the surface. Here's another fact. The mannequin's worship doesn't have any effect on the devil at all. When you cut out worship from your Bible, you cut out one of the most powerful weapons in your arsenal against the enemy. What was powerful Enough to drive out the demonic influences on this woman's life the, and the generational spirits that had plagued and cursed her would be her plugging in to spirit and truth worship, biblically based from the heart. Did you hear what I said? She had demonic influences on her life. Five failed marriages, living with a dude now, her generations are all jacked up, cut out, parsed the Bible to their own making. That was all under the influence of the enemy, the devil. And the father comes in looking for some worshipers. Because if he could ever get some worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth, that darkness could no longer stand. Some of us have had darkness in our families, in our kids, in our babies. I'm going to tell you one of the ways to shake that and break that is if you'll become a worshiper. Make up your mind. I don't care where I am in my life at this point. From this point on, I'm going to worship God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. In an exuberant way. I'm not too dignified. I'm going to get exuberant in front of my babies, in front of my children, in front of my wife, in front of my husband. I'm going to show them how it's done because he's been so good to me. Devil, you're a liar.
Jesus, you're a truth teller. Thank you, Jesus, you're a healer. Thank you, Jesus, you're a forgiver. Mannequin or a wind man. Are you with me? I know it's crazy, y'all. Mannequin man, he doesn't move the devil at all. Wind man, his worship drives the devil away. Listen to this, the website I found on wind men. There really is quite a few. Listen to this quote. Turns out that vertical inflatables, that's what this is called, also make for good scarecrows. Farmer Gary Long, who helped develop the air scarecrows, says that bird damage in his orchard of Honeycrisp apples, listen to this, went from 20,000 pounds a year to zero. This is what we call parallel, an analogy here. When man worship drives the devil crazy, Mannequin worship can't move the devil at all, but wind man worship drives the devil crazy. Mannequin man looks so sad. Wind man looks so happy. The reason why is he's got his mind on the problems, can't seem to get it off of there. He's got his mind on the Lord. They can have the same problems, but his mind's on Jesus, and a smile has come to his face. My God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think. According to the power that works in me, I give you praise, Jesus. I'm looking to you, not my sickness, not my doctor, not my financial woes. I'm looking to you, my provider, my healer. You love me with an everlasting love. I made a bunch of mistakes, but you are able. I give you praise. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for an empty tomb. Come on, give us some praise. Wind man. Or mannequin. Biblically based from the heart, worship is so powerful. It can change everything about you. Why don't you stand with me right now? I think it's amazing. It's the way the Lord works. That's kind of loud. We'll leave it going, though. I like it. The, the way the Lord works to me is amazing. He doesn't meet with the whole town of Sikhar, all the Sumerians. He meets with one lady, but he gave her a revelation of worship. She's the most messed up lady in the town, but he gave her a revelation of worship. He called her back to biblically based from the heart worship. And that was the key to her own life being totally turned around. Five failed marriages, living with a guy, embarrassed to be seen in public. But one revelation turned it all around. Because this one lady, it says she ran, went to the city and told everybody, come and see a man. You know, she remembered those words. I believe she shared the revelation of worship. She demonstrated it to them and to her world. And 500 years 
of bondage, hear me, was broken. Well, I didn't see that in the story, Donovan. Go to Acts 8. Philip, Peter, and John went to where this lady lived and had a joy-filled, healing, Holy Spirit, water-baptizing revival. Thousands in Samaria came to the Lord as a result of the seed sown by this worshiping lady. We can return to worship, y'all. We can be worshipers. It doesn't matter our past. It doesn't matter our ancestors. We can be the ones he uses. And who knows if this woman was not in that revival itself. She was part, I believe, of this revival, but it was led with a revelation of worship. You hear what I'm saying? There is a revelation of worship that is coming to life point. There is a restoration of worship that is coming in our lives. And there is a revolution that's about to hit the devil in your house and in your life. And his strongholds are coming down. But it's not going to be from mannequins. This doesn't cut it. It just doesn't cut it. It doesn't get where you need to go. This does. Now, I'm just going to encourage you. It may just be lifting a hand, one hand. Maybe you go to two hands. Maybe you just tap your foot. Maybe you sing. Maybe you close your eyes. Maybe you sing along. But you've got to push the limits of your worship to the next level. If you're going to go to the next level in your personal life, you've got to go to the next level in your worship life to the Lord Jesus Christ.